This is the Better Life, Better Work Show, and I'm your host, Allison Crow. I'm an intuitive life and business coach here to help you create better life and better work. I help super successful people, you know, the recovering overachievers, put the soul back in their lives, and I help soulful people create success. On this show, topics range from the mystic to the logistic, and our content will support your being and your doing while on your path to create better life and better work. More is not better. Better is better. Hello, hello. This is episode number 87. And probably, well, completely by the time it's published, we'll have a title. But right now, I don't have a title. I'm supposed to be, what it says on my marketing calendar is talk about why I come to Camp Starheart. And I have quite a few other things on my mind. Um, And so let's just see where we go today. Um, So I, the last 15 days have been massive as far as insight, behavior change, transformation, and cash flow. Um, and yesterday was my first day of like feeling that flow slowed. Um, and I had some insights about it. And so, um, hello, live viewers. Hello, replay viewers and hello, podcast viewers. So once again, um, we are recording live from Facebook Live because that's it's my show and I get to do whatever I want, <laughs> right? Which leads me to this, this concept. I just got off of a one-on-one call with a client. I've had a couple of great coaching calls with my groups. I've had some one-on-one calls this week. I've had some serious coaching. And um, it's funny, I said over there the other day on Instagram, I was like, I have not been playing around on Instagram because I've been coaching and selling and coaching and selling and coaching and selling and coaching and selling. Oh, and having my own insights in between. And one of the things that's come up in a lot of coaching is this do what you want, except for nobody says do what you want. They're recognizing, and I've been recognizing, that we chronically do what we think we need to do to be loved or liked. We're chronically making ourselves small. We're chronically, subconsciously doing this thing, whatever these things are, to... Um, meet some of the core primary needs. So we want to feel safe. Uh, we want to feel connection and love. We want to feel security. We want to feel acknowledgement. Uh, what are some of the other core needs? Um, and at my mastermind a couple of weeks ago, one of my, Brandy Lawson is her name. She's amazing, Fiery FX. And Brandy had, one of the questions she would often ask other people in the room is, how does that keep you safe? And um, it's so true. Like, how does not being the you that you want to be, all of yourself, doing what you want to do, not keep you safe? Because here's what I know about my audience. I don't think you're going to wake up and say, I would like to skin a cat today. And, you know, I I don't think any of you are waking up 
with what you want to do is be an asshole in the world, right? And so those are not my people. My people know what they want to do. They know what they want to be. And yet, and including myself, I know what I want to do. I know what I want to be and why have I been avoiding it? And so last week I had the opportunity, um, shout out uh, to Beth Incorvati. Beth Incorvati has sold six tickets to Camp Starheart. <laughs> that woman has referred so many people. I'm very looking forward to Camp Starheart. Um, and the, the returning members and the new people. Um, but Beth and Corvati brought me into a room full of 40 powerful, successful women that all shared a common feeling of imposter syndrome, of overwhelm, of no matter how good they do, they're not good enough. And through lots of the thick conversations that I had this week, both with others, with my peers, with myself, and with my colleagues, and even friends. These primary fears, or these fears around our primary needs not being met, are what is actually very subconsciously motivating the behavior. And so we're wondering, why don't I move towards my dreams? Well, because you're avoiding your deepest fears. And so let me see if I can, um, I know I can. Let me take a breath. What happens in my mind is um, I see all the thoughts and all the stories at once. And so organization is interesting for me. What many of us have realized in the last few weeks is absolutely a fear of success. And I don't think any of us would label that. However, we keep ourselves just big enough to feel like we're making some progress and yet we avoid being too much, too good, too happy, too successful, too together. Uh, my coach said to us last week in a call, she was like, misery loves miserable company. And so you realize by being small, by being a victim, by being miserable, by being, um, by being missing the mark, we get to commiserate with our colleagues and peers. There's a theory called um, the crab theory, right? Like if one little crab, there's a bucket of crabs and one of the crabs starts to get out of the bucket, all the other crabs will pull it back down. And that's just kind of unconscious human nature. And so I want you to think about what would the cost, what do you make up in your mind that it would cost you to be brave enough to be you. And um, the question I asked my clients this morning, what I, what I find is that most of the people that I work with, they are bumping up against a need for security and to be accepted. 
So the love and connection, they're afraid of rejection, which is the withdrawal of love and connection, or they are afraid of making a mistake that will shake their financial foundation, which they have mistakenly thought that their financial foundation is their security. Those are the two biggies that come up. Um, so I asked on, on the call today for my clients, what would you be willing to go after your dreams if you knew you'd get rejected? And I have clients say this all the time, whether they're talking about work or talking about what they want in their life or their marriage or money, they're always like, oh, I'm afraid of being rejected. And I was like, you will get rejected. And they look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> that I'm not going, oh no, you won't get rejected. Oh no, you'll get rejected. You'll probably even get rejected publicly. I mean, like some bad shit is gonna go down. And I wanna know, would you be willing to go after what you want? Would you willing, be willing to be your full self if it meant you were rejected and some bad shit went down? And most people stop there. What I wanna encourage you to do is absolutely, so there's two different ways to play this in your mind. You can play this story in your mind of like, oh my God, I'd get rejected. And then you can fluff the story of how horrible it's gonna be. Or you can use your powerful brain and go, yeah, worst case scenario, I have somebody publicly reject me, shame me, talk bad at me, and this is how I will handle it publicly and privately. This is how I will handle it in my mind. And so my clients and I have been talking a lot about identity this week. We've been talking about identity and habits that support that identity and results. And if you're not getting the results, it's because you're not doing the habits. And if you're not doing the habits, it's because you don't have the identity. And identity is something that we can change. Identity is just the thoughts that make up your beliefs that are your worldview and your self-view. And so, um, let me take a sip of water. And so it's fascinating when we curiously and lovingly without shit, shame or blame, right? Like just stop the self-beat, you guys. It's so fucking useless. Like just stop. What if it didn't require a coach to stop talking poorly to yourself? Like decide today it's handled. I'm done being mean to myself. I'll tell you what that does for you. I'll just go ahead and clue you in. When you be mean to yourself, you keep yourself small so that you don't get rejected for having your shit together. <laughs> Have your shit together. It's really fun. It's really fun. And so not only do I want my clients to have an identity of the good stuff, obviously, like, oh, yeah, million dollar coach, what's her identity? And I begin to think about that. That's fun. Oh, what's my identity as somebody who eats well and who meditates and who moves their body well? That's really fun. That one's easy. But I want you to do this. I want you to have an identity for when problems come. Life is awesome and shit. And most of the awesome and the shit, we cannot control. <laughs> right? Like, 
I, I have had so many clients that have buried parents this year that have taken care of parents. I have clients that have lost children this year um, or actually at the end of last year. Um, my best friend just lost another nephew under the age of 25. This is just insane. Like stuff happens. And we so need life to be good. I mean, I want life to be good too, but the reality is shit happens. They made a t-shirt about it in the seventies, right? (laughs) Shit happens. And so who do you want to be when shit happens? Do you want to be somebody that hides from shit, that avoids it? Or when shit happens, when I get rejected, that does not mean you're going to create rejection, by the way. I guarantee you, if you are alive, and have any kind of interaction with another human being, at some point you will experience rejection. This is not, you're not manifesting rejection. It's just a neutral experience of life, (laughs) right? And so um, what if you decided, um, it's so funny, what's that phrase? Like if you, the only failure is the failure to plan, I don't know, I'm probably messing somebody's quote up. But what if you actually had a plan and an identity for when things were difficult? And I'm not saying this to control it, but we so often avoid even thinking about it. It's like, oh, wow, I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, I've seen some of my people do it, but when my parents get to the stage where they can't take care of themselves or when they pass, I don't know what it will be like. I don't think it will be easy, but here's what I do know. I do know that I love myself, I love my brothers and sisters, and we will figure it out. And that even though it might be difficult, it won't be horrible, right? And so it may be horrible, but it won't be horrible forever. And so I'm deciding beforehand when there are things in my business Like one of the things that's kept me from growing my business is like some identity story I have around having employees. I realize I haven't even let myself have a CEO mindset because I made up this horrible story instead of even beginning to see the possibility of, of course, if I have employees, sometimes I'm going to hire the right people and sometimes I'm going to have to fire the wrong people. And my need to be liked is avoiding firing people that don't even exist right now, by the way. (laughs) This is how our brains do. And so what if I decide that, yeah, I'd actually like to invest in having some more people in my business and helping me do these things and spending more money, making more money. And yeah, sometimes I'm going to make great hires and it's going to work. And sometimes I'm going to make hires that don't quite fit. And what if I even hire a psycho? (laughs) Now, trust me, I've experienced psychos in my life. And So I want you to not only plan the identity of the dreams coming true, but that person who has their dreams coming true, that, I'm sorry, that is, let me rephrase that. This is very important. Your dreams don't just come true. You create them. And so that man or that woman that is creating their life, creating their dreams, creating things over time. Y'all, it always takes longer than you think it's going to. I've been in business for myself for 10 years. I have a whole nother episode about that coming lessons learned from 10 years in business. And I'm just now getting my stride. Um, I want you to plan for worst case scenario. And I want you to work it out in not just what you will do, but how you will believe. 
And then what happens is when it shows up, it's not so traumatic to your system. And so, yes, every single one of you will be rejected. And one of these days when a client says, I'm afraid of being rejected, and I say, oh, you're going to get rejected, they're not, they're going to go, oh, yeah, you're right, I am, instead of looking at me like I'm the meanest person in the world. Most of us, including me, are not letting ourselves be as in the fullness of who we are, including doing and having, because we're afraid we can't handle it. A few weeks ago, a client of mine, Richard Morgan, who's also a friend, said, Allison, how much happiness will you allow? And I was like, what are you talking about? I allow a lot of happiness. And I let that thought sit with me. How much happiness will I allow? Or is my happiness so attached to what other people think about me? Is my happiness so attached to whether or not I'm accepted or rejected? And in the past, if you, if you want to know what has shifted in me over the last two months, it's because something has shifted big time. <laughs> Like it's handled, I'm never going back. I'm not saying I won't have difficult times, but it finally clicked. I am complete. I am no longer available to take shit personally from other people. I am no longer available. That, that includes the good stuff too right? My ego gets fluffed by the good stuff. But I, like, I'm independent of the good and bad opinions of others. I am independent of the good and bad behaviors of others. When somebody tells me, you know, makes a choice, and they try to bring me into it, it's none of my business. And I've heard that said for years, what other people think about you is none of your business. So I've been practicing that muscle. I am 48 years old, in two weeks. And it took me 48 years. And I'm sure there'll be a moment or two where I relapse. Maybe, maybe not. That'd be really fun if I didn't. So not only am I teaching myself, the world has not taught me. I am teaching myself by choosing how I think and how I meet rejection. It has not stopped rejection. In fact, it's probably created more of it. And I just don't fucking care. I just don't care. It's fine. It's fine for you to believe something different from me. Why? Because I'm okay with me. If I stop rejecting me. So remember earlier when I said, for those of you that were on, I said, stop talking to yourself so shitty. Stop. My, my client, Kristen, calls it self-beat. Stop the self-beat. Like literally just decide today to completely stop. You are literally heaping death on yourself when you talk to yourself like that. And you wonder why life sucks? Because you're choosing death every single day. And you make up that it's this hard thing to get out of instead of going, no, I'm going to choose life. And guess what? When you choose life and when you choose humanity, when you choose 
I want to pick my words very carefully because you guys know that I don't want to do a positivity bypass. Did that for about 45 of those years. So the last three years have been learning for me to embrace the shadow. I will not call it negative. But for 45 years, I kept that away. And then I've allowed myself to be in the shadow for the last three years. And it's like, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> like I can do both. And so this comes back around to Camp Star, right? I can do both. And I can do the good times. And the amount of energy we spend avoiding happiness, avoiding wholeness, of avoiding success, of avoiding the flow to come through. I did it to myself this week. So in my mastermind group where I'm the client, right now only my coach knows this, um, we have a we have a Voxer channel where we have three different channels, one for support, uh, one water cooler for just silly stuff, random stuff, and then one for wins. And people are sharing their wins all the time. And the other day, I, um, I don't know, it was three or four o'clock in the afternoon. I was done with coaching calls for a while. And I left a funny little message in my humorous way, like, what up, bitches? I'm sharing a win. Cash, motherfuckers. I'm sharing the win of cash. And I didn't say how much, but I had created a very large sum of doll hairs. Dollars, that's what we call them in our family, doll hairs. I had created a very large sum of cash by 3.30 that day. I had written a lot of business. I had two clients tell me they were going to pay me in full. One of them said, not only am I going to pay you in full, I'm going to send you a check so you don't have to pay PayPal fees. And I was feeling really good about things flowing. And so I shared that. And then I noticed some of my colleagues were sharing that they were sick. They were having a hard time. It wasn't even business stuff. They were just sick, not feeling good. And by the time I listened to all theirs, I was laying in bed and four people registered for Camp Starheart. And so those are expensive tickets. And so... After that message, I made another $6,000 and I diminutized my win. It was like I hit my level of how much joy I could have. And I realized this yesterday. I was like, why didn't I share that with them? And the little small voice in my head was like, oh, you better not share that. Everybody else is having a bad day. You can't be too good. And what I propose is that me being too good does not mean somebody else is not. Me having a really good day and fun day and high financial day does not take away from anybody else's whatever it is day. That those are both and allowed to exist. But what we do is we shrink back because somewhere along the way we were told that we would be rejected if we were too much. And so I had asked a question earlier this week and my client shared with me that question blew her mind and her husband's mind all week long. What was the cost of success? What's the cost of your past success? Last week, I know I told you to not look at the past, but I want you to do this in a loving, curious place. Like, oh, in the past when I was successful, 
people made fun of me. When I had, as a 28-year-old woman, a 120-pound, 5'10 body, and I worked uh, as in a school with teachers, most of whom were older than me, and we'd sit in the teacher's lounge, and we'd all eat the food. We ate the food from the cafeteria, and we'd sit up there. And very often, people would make comments about how skinny I was. And there was, it, there was a ribbing. They were like, you should eat more. And I ate a lot. Trust me, I've always had a great appetite. But there was this like, I was too skinny. I needed to put some meat on my bones. And one day I remember, I mean, just in my immaturity, I lost it. And I was like, I never say anything about how fat y'all are because you quit talking about my body. Because you're not being nice about it. And right, like for me, having the body that I loved, enjoyed, made me an outcast. And so... <laughs> I don't want to spend time with people who don't have the capacity for range. I want to spend, like, I love when my friends are doing fantastic and I can hold space for when they're not. And that, that's just what, it's the boundary I set for myself. I want to be able to be my full self. And I love what my coach said. She said, take up space. And she's right. I can trust myself to take up space. I can take up space. I can tell those, those girls will be thrilled at the amount of success I've had this month. And I will be thrilled at the amount of success whenever they have it. And so not only do we have to take responsibility for letting other people have their thoughts and their opinions, and we have to give ourselves our own thoughts, opinions, and affirmations, but we also have to be willing to be willing to experience other people's range. And I think the more that we give it to ourselves, the more that we acknowledge and give ourselves permission to be range to be both and, both and is the theme of the Camp Starheart. And and so like in a roundabout way, even though my marketing person said, title this, you know, why come to Camp Starheart? What we talk about at Camp Starheart, I remember one year when she was like, what business things am I going to learn at Camp Starheart? And I was like, nothing. You're going to learn identity stuff at Camp Starheart. Last year, the theme was becoming. Um, the year before that, it was too much. Y'all realize that Camp Starheart was like literally this event that I wanted to quit two years ago and that the first year was born out of the, one of the biggest failures in my business is actually becoming the heart of my business. It's becoming the place where I gather people in my hometown to connect and talk about the deepest stuff in how you see yourself. And I don't need to tell them the math equation or the how-to, how to do their business, but if I help you see yourself differently, that's my job as a coach. I love strategy. I can strategize. I, I realized the other day, I channel divine strategy for people. It's weird. Like if I sit down and want to start typing it, eh, I ain't got it. But if I'm talking to you and I'm feeling your energy and I'm hearing what's going on, I literally, the strategy comes out. The language comes out. Sometimes my clients are like writing down the copy as fast as they can. I can't write copy on my own sales page for anything. But I think I can download this strategy. Y'all, that's not even the valuable shit. <laughs> what's valuable is all of us realigning 
Like check yourself before you wreck yourself. If something's not working, not from a place of judgment, but if something's not working, where are you out of alignment with your thoughts and beliefs about yourself, your identity? Um, If you want a book on this, so one of the things that's really helping me get clear because he took the time to write it so well is this book by James Clear, Atomic Habits. And I cannot tell you how long I've had this book on my Audible and I was like, oh, that's a dude book. I don't want to read it. And he's actually really clear and he talks about in the beginning. Last year at this time, I did a podcast on identity. I mean, it's been an ongoing theme. Um, uh, Another book that I really like, The Last Word on Power by Tracy Goss. She's here in Austin, I think. Um, You know, a lot of the coaching I'm done, but here's what's funny, y'all. It's taken me, I've I've been a coach for, this is my 15th year of coaching. This is my 10th year of owning my own company versus working for somebody else. And I've just now, like I've known all this stuff, but I've been repeating it and learning it so much, I'm actually living it. My identity, how I see myself is different than it was two months ago. And so James Clear talks about identity. He talks about habits and he talks about the results, right? If you have any kind of coaching training whatsoever, you may have heard like programming equals thoughts, equals feelings, equal actions, equal results. Well, programming is the same as identity. It's the way we see the worldview. It's the way we see ourselves. And um, it's interesting. Before I started, I'm I'm not full keto right now, but I'm definitely way lower carb. Um, I, my identity was that I didn't do the kitchen well. Like this is the identity I claim for myself. And if you had told, I was macaroni and cheese. If you had told me that I would go two years without having macaroni and cheese, I would have thought you were insane. That's how much I identified with it. And so um, it's interesting. I noticed just yesterday, okay, I'm going to tell a story. This is an embarrassing story. Some of you know this from last year. I had this beef with Rachel Hollis. Rachel Hollis has never done anything to me wrong. I don't even know her. I just see her online and I don't want, I don't want anybody saying a, a negative word about her. I need to let you tell the story. You do not need to say something bad about her to make me feel good. But for some reason, Rachel Hollis got under my skin. I love to watch her, but I hated to watch her. And I knew last year that I was jealous. I was jealous. I was jealous when she moved to Texas. I was jealous when she got a ranch in Texas and had her pool. And then I was jealous when she uh, went to Dripping Springs and created this cute little office full of these people working. And at some point, I got so jealous, I didn't know how to own my desire. It was easier to feel jealousy and irritation about sweet Rachel Hollis than it was to own Allison. You want what she's got. And it was easier for me to stay small then risk seeing myself as bigger. And so yesterday, as I was talking to my coach, I had actually written down in my journal recently, I was like, why am I so pissed off at Rachel Hollis? Because <laughs> she's never done anything to me. But I love when I get pissed off. When I get irritated by somebody, to me, that is a clue to look a little bit deeper. How am I holding on to a shitty identity because I'm denying my desire? And so yesterday, I had so much fun I decided I went and looked at the Hollis company 
and I looked at Rachel Hollis's feed. I looked at her website and I just decided to not be irritated by anything. I was like, what if there's something on there that actually inspires me a shift in my identity? And one of the things at some point, I think on the Hollis company, it said um, there was like a, um, I don't know, one of their journal pages and they had written it out like every day, we'll be thankful for these things. And, and there's a list of things that you've created or celebrated. And one of them said, we give $2 million away. And I was like, ooh, ooh, that zings. Like in my identity, what if I, in my identity, if I start thinking about the identity of CEO Allison instead of solo business owner Allison, like who is CEO Allison? What are not just my personal values or my program values, but what are my company values? She and her husband on the Hollis Company had a video about their company values. And I listened to that thing twice. And I was like, ooh, I like that. I like that. Instead of hating her, once I owned in my own identity what I desire and realized that my habits weren't aligned with it, I've always had the desire, but my habit was to be bitchy about it instead of owning it. Then Rachel Hollis became a source of inspiration, not a source of like, I can copy, but like, oh, She's gone before me. She has a product line. Do I want a product line? I don't know. And so I'm, I'm playing with my identity 10 years from now. And what I've been doing, this is in reference to the last week's episode, is I accidentally have been going back to my old identity, how things were in the past. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> in January, if I had a theme for January, it's, it's handled. And what if it doesn't have to take you 10 years? What if you begin to cultivate, and I told my clients this this morning, as I was cultivating this possible identity of CEO Allison in five years or 10 years, I, bu- I bumped up. It like it got intense. And I just breathed and I set it down. I didn't make a big deal out of it. I was like, oh, that feels foreign to my nervous system. And so I gave my nervous system a break. It's just like a kid. This math is, this, is hurting my brain. Okay, let's take a break. Let's make sure we hungry, not hungry, not lonely, not tired, and we got nutrition. We'll come back another day. And so I really am seeing, and I'm not seeing with judgment. I go, oh, sweet Allison, I see what you were doing. You so wanted to be liked and loved. And I am so thankful for the two people that in the last two years have gone crazy on me publicly. I am so thankful for my previous mentors that never gave me the attention or the acknowledgement that I wanted. I am so thankful for the ex-husband that left me. Because my ex-husband left me, it taught me not to leave myself. Because the two women at my company would never acknowledge the good, they only acknowledged the bad, and I did a lot of good for them. Because they wouldn't acknowledge me, I had to acknowledge myself. Because my husband is not, my husband is wonderful, y'all, but he's not a words of affirmation person. Rich Litvin used to always tell me, you cannot get enough of what you do not need. I do not need my husband's affirmation. I need my own. My husband could tell me all day long that I'm beautiful. Could tell me all day long I'm a fabulous coach. Could tell me all day long all the good things I am. And if I don't believe it for myself, it's useless. 
it doesn't ha- matter how many people pay me or tell me what I am as a coach or a business owner. It matters what I create for myself. And I'm either creating with self-beat and shitty talk, which I really, y'all, I really don't do. I really don't. I mean, sometimes I struggle with doubt, but I am not mean to myself. What's the point? (laughs) I know you on the podcast can't see my face. I'm kind of relaxed and tired, but I have very big facial expressions today. A lot of eye rolls. It's so funny. They say it's simple, but it's not easy. And I'll tell you what, you know, when this all started clicking is when I decided to let it be hard. I quit avoiding hard. I went to my website. I, I, it's probably not off like blog posts and stuff, but it's off my coaching page. It's off my homepage. It's off my about page. That ease. I'm, I have removed ease from my value list. Removing my need for things to be easy have, has made life really difficult. Instead of realizing I handle hard Amazingly, I can do hard shit. I do hard shit all the time. Every single one of you do hard shit. Avoiding hard shit is really hard. In fact, it's impossible and it requires a lot of energy. And so what's interesting, I'm so much more effective and efficient and excited knowing that I'm both and. I'm both both capable. I will ride the flow. And when the contraction comes, because it usually does, I'm an organic being just like you, I will be gracious and kind and nurturing. The flow always comes back. I will stop judging the slowdown. I I will stop doing it. (laughs) I will do hard things. If, you know, random little business tidbit here. My coach challenged me to extend some invitations instead of just wait for people to come to me. Ah! If I told y'all how much money I made in the last two weeks doing that, y'all would die. Well, you wouldn't die. I wrote $60,000 of business on top of regular business by asking asking. And that's $60 gross revenue to me for asking, inviting, letting people know I was creating something special and I wanted them to be a part of it. I was uncomfortable doing it. And when I said, I can't, I don't do hard things. No, I just need business to be easy. (laughs) It just cracks me up. Okay. So thank you for letting me ramble. Um, Uh, when you think you've gone deep enough, I guarantee you there's a deeper layer. And the deeper layer is what emotion are you avoiding? And how do you turn that around and embrace that emotion? Right? So I'm not about fuck your fears. I'm also about soothing your fears. And once your fear is slightly soothed, I'd actually like you to solve your fear. I want you to solve the problem you fear the most. There's the title. Solve the problem. Let me write that down. This is the other thing. You guys, you can create professional things in process. Solve the problem you fear the most. You know what that's called? That's called a system. It's so funny. I used to think I'm not a system person. I'm totally a system person. 
When people call me and ask me about setting up, um, they want to know about building a membership. And they want to pick my brain for building a membership. So number one, I have a podcast out there from a year ago, 11 Things I Learned by Creating a Membership Site Before I Was Ready. But one of the things I did when I created that membership is I went to the identity of the woman that had had the membership for a year. I did not create it from the place, from the mindset, from the identity or the beliefs or the cash of the woman today or the woman, you know, in 2017, I created it from December, 2017. And so one of the things that I did was like December, 2017, this woman is going to have X number of people in her membership. And she does the, her biggest problem is not getting people into the membership. Her biggest problem is credit cards expiring. (laughs) And so what I did was I created a system in May of 2017, and I paid for somebody to build a system that would handle a large amount of credit card processing automatically. And so it's so funny when people come to me and they, they're thinking about this and they're not thinking about what, what they're not solving the problem. They're solving the current problem instead of going forward to the worst case scenario and fixing it and then that then implementing it that's how you build it that's how you build it and anything i've wanted to create <laughs> i have been so looking over my shoulder saying i've been in my past identity oh in the past it's always done this oh in the past it's always screwed up oh in the past it's always whatever and i'm i'm laughing because i'm so so amused at myself And so now it's like, oh, okay, this is work. It is work for my brain to see something it's never seen before. However, my brain is brilliant. Your brain is brilliant too. And instead of saying I can't see it, I go, well, if I could see it, what does she look like? What does she think? My clients know this. A year ago at Camp Starheart, I declared that I'm a woman who's, I'm becoming a woman who allows high-level help. Well, I'm there now. I allow high-level help. And so now it's like, oh, how much more high-level help can I get? Wow. So instead of being afraid of spending $7,000 a month on my business, I'm like, what if I spent fourteen? dollars What's possible if I doubled that expense? Ah! It is so much more fun to consider what's possible if I double my expenses than it is to be in the fear of that I'm spending too much. Why is there a fly in my house? <laughs> I don't know. I hope you're getting something from this little riff on solve the problem. And don't just solve the how-to. Solve it from the identity, which is what you think, what you believe, how you respond. And then solve it from the habits. What are that? Because if you have belief without habits, you just got a fantasy land. You've got to have habits. You And habits... James Clear calls them habits. They're your practices. They're the things you do on a regular basis. Habitually, I solve problems. Habitually, I walk. Habitually, I work on meditating. Uh, Habitually, I'm mindful when I'm eating. I don't just eat willy-nilly. I don't always eat perfectly, but if I have a fucking cheeseburger, you bet it was a mindful choice. (laughs) Um, Habitually... 
I journal. Habitually, I I set myself up and pay to be in the room with amazing women. I habitually stretch myself. I habitually um, decide to do things I've never done before just to see if I could do them. I habitually pay money to be in rooms with people who are smarter than me, better than me, and think, or who can see my shit. And I am learning to get feedback. <laughs> and I'm becoming a woman who habitually says, oh, who can we hire to do that? Because it's not, I, I don't need to be doing it. I'm the CEO. I need to be coaching and, re- and incur- coaching myself, coaching my clients and coaching my team and visioning. And somebody else can execute the vision. I used to have the identity of somebody who had to do it all herself. That's great. And it just kept me doing it all myself. So... I love you guys. I appreciate you. I appreciate you live viewers. I appreciate you replay viewers. And I appreciate you podcast listeners. Um, I do want to invite you to come to Camp Star Heart. I'm actually almost sold out. (laughs) Thanks to Beth. Um, What was fun is Beth had those four clients that came that day and then a few later came um, the next day. And so um, the recording of this episode is on March 27th. I think it's going to be released on March 1st or 2nd. I don't know what the days are, but um, the doors to Camp Star Heart close on March 15th. Uh, and I ha- I did take a break. Like I, I, the early bird rate was until February 15th and I just needed a break to not sell it. And a lot more tickets have come through. Um, already making adjustments for the room. And so if you want in, hi, Heather, I see you. <laughs> right? She's one of the newbies coming. And so if you want in, get in now. I don't, it's, we're, we have got to be very close to filling up the block. What we do at Camp Starheart, um, I just, it's not like anything else. And we will, I will be with you in play. I will be with you in depth of heart. I will, I guarantee you will come away seeing yourself as a different human being. Your identity will shift and you will be able to come home a new person. Um, yeah. So campstarheart.com is where you get your ticket for that. Um, campstarheart.com is where you get your ticket for that. So see marketing coordinator. I did end up inviting to Camp Star Heart and talking about Camp Star Heart. Shout out to Elise, who I see is here hitting thumbs up. Um, Elise is, Elise Rich is my magic podcast producer. I appreciate her. She's kind of gotten some recognition and fame in her own right. Um, congratulations to Elise and her wife, Maria, who are, um, bringing community and music Music and acceptance and tolerance to the LBGTQ plus community in Costa Rica. Um, I'm honored to have that badass woman on my team. Um, yeah, and that's it. Thanks for spending time with me today, you guys. If you like this, share it with somebody you love. That's what you can do for me. You can start sharing my work with somebody you love that you think would enjoy it or benefit the way Beth and Corbati did. Beth and Corbati went straight to selling. But um, if you want to share my podcast, share my page, share my list, whatever it is, I would totally appreciate that. I love you. Let me know what you learned from this podcast today. Bye, you guys. As always, thanks for listening. Totally appreciate you thinking about somebody who might really love this episode and you sharing it with them. 
Also, I always appreciate your reviews. It's like podcast currency. It's like a tip in the jar saying thanks. And finally, if you want to share on social media, a screenshot or any insights you get from listening to this episode, I will totally respond. You can share with the hashtag Better Life, Better Work show. This show is sponsored by my three rescued dogs, Leroy Brown, Clementine, and Rocky Potato. They're here to remind you to consider adoption when you get your next pet. More is not better. Better is better.